Blessed are you who have remembered the time change and have come to church with an hour sleep, perhaps. Speaking of time change, do you remember your yearbook? Here's mine. I got it out of the, uh, you know, files. The Robinillo from Robinson, Illinois. I don't, know, I don't know if you had this or not. Near the, the front of my yearbook, they had this thing called, uh, well, Senior Awards or Senior Spotlight or something like that. I, I, a lot of them are most likely twos. Did you have those in your yearbook, most likely to succeed, most likely to be the president, most likely to be late, you know, those different ones? Uh, here's, here's the image I've got in my yearbook. I'm not going to show you because, wow, uh, the early 90s were not a kind time for fashion, I'm afraid, but most likely to. Now, I was voted, strangely, most likely to succeed. Um, still waiting to make that happen uh, in my life. Kind of a late bloomer, but I'm working on it. I wonder, like, for you, um, how many of you, was there anyone here who got an award in your senior year, most likely to something or, yeah, what? Most likely to put others first. Wow. That's pretty phenomenal. There's got to be a class clown or somebody in here. Anybody else have... uh, most likely to honor, do you remember? <laughs> I noticed in my, uh, my kids' yearbooks, things have changed a little bit, like that one is, is phenomenal. Um, they have some different categories. They're not quite the same as the kind of traditional categories we had. Uh, so, for instance, there's the most likely to become TikTok famous, uh, which is a little strange to me, but most likely still to be in bed for a 10 a.m. Zoom meeting. Or uh, most likely to have a better playlist on their phone than a DJ. Which, to be honest, was tough for me in high school because it's really hard to put a music playlist on a rotary phone, okay? You know? So things have changed a lot. And, um, and, and yet, most likely, too, is kind of a, g- a great category. Look at this, uh, some of these photos we've got uh, this morning. Uh, do you know who's pictured? Well, there we go. <laughs> Sam Collins, 1950, and of course, uh, the next one here, let's see, the next, Emmeline Collins, 1960, and speaking of most likely to, look at the list of things she had in her yearbook under her name. First of all, Bone Gap, let's just acknowledge how great, Bone Gap, Illinois. I mean, class secretary and cheerleader and vice president of projects and I don't know what a spectator is, but lots of stuff. (laughs) Newspaper. Let's just say Emmeline was most likely to rule Edwards County, I think is what that means. Well, uh, in the book of Acts, especially in uh, chapters uh, 6 through 9, we get... um, introduced to some, I think, the most interesting people in the early church. We get a list of most likely twos in Acts 6 through 9, and and over the next several weeks, we want to explore some of these people and their stories and their impact. Uh, If you've got a Bible, why don't you open with me to Acts chapter 6 this morning as we look at one of those. I think we will be inspired by these people who most likely thought they were pretty unlikely to make a difference. But here in Acts 6, we meet someone that I would like to nominate as the most likely to go viral, the most likely for their story to be told long and far. Acts chapter 6, 
Starting in verse 8, we're introduced to Stephen. Now, Stephen was not nominated for a yearbook uh, title in the first century, but he was chosen as one of the seven uh, leaders in the Greek-speaking portion of the Jerusalem church. There had been some grumbling between different aspects of the church, uh, a group being overlooked, and so Stephen stepped in to minister to the overlooked group. And he seemed like a good match for the role because he's consistently described in Acts 6 as full. Chapter 6, verse 5, he's full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Verse 8, he's full of God's grace and power. He had plenty to give. Uh, Plus his name himself might uh, actually indicate something of his character. His name in Greek means crown. A royal bearing, a royal uh, dignity perhaps. He's uh, the first uh, outside of the apostles to be mentioned as one who's uh, doing wonders in the early church. Working miracles. But that did get him noticed. He was going viral. (laughs) In chapter 6, verse 9, in fact, some of the Jewish members of the synagogue of the freedmen noticed what he was doing. Uh, Those were probably uh, former Jewish slaves, descendants of former slaves from North Africa or Asia. They saw what was going on. And in verse 11 of chapter 6, as John Polhill translates, they hatched a frame up. Literally, they put someone up to something. They gave them the words to say against Stephen, blasphemy was the accusation. He was speaking against God. And Moses, he was speaking against the temple and the law. Serious accusations in their day. And boy, that got everybody into a commotion. Or as my mom would say, a real tizzy. The Jewish leaders, uh, Luke writes, the elders who are from the Sadducee kind of sect of the, of the Jews, uh, the Jewish teachers of the law who are from the Pharisees as well as the people, every Jewish group was riled up. So they hauled Saint, uh, Stephen into the Sanhedrin court with trumped up charges, false witnesses. The deck was stacked against him. And he answered the charges in chapter 7 with a long retelling of their common Jewish history from Abraham to Moses to David all the way. And then he ends in chapter 7 with this like two-pronged spear for his accusers. First of all, in Acts chapter 7 verse 48, he ends by saying, The Most High God does not live in houses made by human hands. Ooh, that struck right at their love of the temple. God doesn't live in a house. (laughs) And then he says this, just for good measure in court, chapter 7, verse 51, he says, you stiff-necked people, not the best way to address the court in those days to get a lot of good attention. But anyway, you stiff-necked people, your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. You're just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your ancestors did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one, and now you have betrayed and murdered him, Jesus. You who have received the law, listen, that was given through angels, but have not obeyed it. He ends by saying, you don't love or obey the law of God. They said he was against Moses and God, against the temple and the law, and he says, you're missing God in Jesus Christ because you're too focused on the temple and you're disobeying the law. Well, that didn't sit too well with them. Chapter 7, verse 54, the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, and when they heard it, they were furious, and they gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God in Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, 
he said. I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Well, that got them. They lost it. They threw their hands over their ears. They started screaming. They rushed Stephen and they took him out and they stoned him to death. Well, from a story like that, it seems pretty unlikely that someone like Stephen's story would go viral. A blasphemer in a first century Jewish court who was stoned to death in a tiny area of the Roman Empire. And yet, and yet, to this day, his story is told in the best-selling book of all time, <laughs> right here in Acts 6 and 7. And Jesus, uh, uh, Stephen's life, rather, went so viral that he got Jesus standing to attention. Did you hear the language right at the very end? In verse 56 of chapter 7, Stephen says, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Why is Jesus standing up? Previously, he had been seated at the right hand of God in heaven. I mean, when Jesus was testifying before the same Sanhedrin, Luke 22, he said to them, but from now on, the Son of Man will be seated at the right hand of the mighty God. Or in uh, the Ephesian church, he would describe how, uh, Paul would describe how God raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Or to the Colossian church, Paul would say, since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Stephen's life went so viral, Jesus stands to attention. My question is why? Why does Jesus stand as Stephen gives his life? I've thought about that. I've consulted some senior classmates, some scholars. And many have said, well, listen, the reason Jesus is standing in this vision for Stephen in heaven is because he's honoring his martyr. Stephen is giving his life for Jesus. And Jesus stands to welcome him and to honor him. Man, that is moving. Jesus is in solidarity and, and with respect is standing for his faithful follower. Can you imagine? No wonder the story has gone viral. I, I mean, I don't know about you, but I've heard that even in our own day, uh, videos will often go viral. That is, lots and lots of people will view them. If it's, there's an emotional honoring of someone in the video, like some surprise homecoming for military people. Maybe you've seen volunteer to help. something like this. Yeah, go ahead. Alexis. Volunteer to help out with the dunk. I'm not crying. You're crying. <laughs> that kind of honor commanded a huge audience. Eight million hits on that video. Millions more and others besides it. And I thought maybe that's why the King of Kings stands for Stephen. To, to honor and to welcome him as he gives his life for Jesus. I, I mean, after all, his sacrifice is stunning. They stoned him. Now, in, in the first century world, there, there were uh, formal stonings, you know, with a court conviction. Victims would be taken outside of the city limits. Uh, they would be asked to confess as their last words. Their, their clothing, most of it would be stripped off. And then the witness would push the criminal off of a, a cliff of about 10 to 12 feet. They would push them from behind. They would fall face down in shame off that cliff. 
Uh, then they would be turned over. If, if they died, of course, that would be sufficient. But if not, then a, a first witness would then sort of roll as large a stone as they could off that same cliff onto the victim. And if that didn't do it, a second witness would take a stone and drop it upon their heart. And if that didn't do it, the, the community, the congregation of witnesses would pick up stones and they would throw stones at that convicted person until they died. It was barbaric. But in Stephen's case, the, the fury of the crowd, I hope you'll read the story this afternoon in chapter 6 through 7, the, the fury of the crowd seemed to overrule the normal procedure. He wasn't stripped of his clothing, rather the witnesses strip off their clothing and lay them at the feet of a man named Saul. Also, it doesn't seem he was dropped from a cliff. His accusers went straight for pelting him with stones. It is gruesome. Stephen dies a grisly death because, listen, he chose Jesus over idolatry. See, the hard thing about this story is the people who batter Stephen's body with stones, they're not local thugs. They're people that he worshipped with, people that he went to market with, people that he probably ate with and worshipped in the temple with. Uh, they're upstanding religious folks. They, they guard valued traditions. They have in, they've skin in the game. They, they believe in God and they want to see God made known all around the world. But, right, Matthew, writes Matthew Skinner, they have religious commitments that will not permit them to budge. They know how God works, he says. They lash out in violence because they have fallen victim to the oldest sin in the book, idolatry. They lifted up their temple and their law over the God that those were intended to point to. And they valued their own opinions and their, their own traditions more highly than human life and the spirit of the living God, just like we do. See, we can do that. When we lift up our religious symbols over our Savior, when we lift up our, you know, attendance at certain things in the church over our love of each other, or we, we lift up traditions or disciplines or, or church programs or the furniture or the paint or the, the facilities, when, when they become more important than Jesus and the people Jesus loves, we get on the wrong side of this viral story. I mean, just ask yourself, when someone criticizes you, what could they criticize in your life that would spark such rage in you? I mean, if someone said to you, you're worshiping the Bible, not the God of the Bible, ugh, would you get mad? If someone said, listen, uh, you're trying to be right about LGBTQ sexuality instead of being in a loving relationship with people in that community. Man, would, <laughs> would that raise your temperature? If someone said, you're more concerned about sanctuary chairs and music selection than caring for the poor and growing in faith. Man, ugh, would that clench your teeth? Stephen said, God is not limited to a sacred space. He dwells in all of heaven and earth. He's huge. And that thought got him killed. And Jesus stands. Because here's one who gets it. Here's one who follows in the way of Jesus, who sacrifices his own life to witness to the truth in an age of idolatry. He didn't put his own preferences, his own desires, his own life first. And I wonder if we would do that. Or will we rage Jesus stands, he notices Stephen's life has gone viral and Jesus has paid attention. Maybe that's why he stands in this vision. I thought a lot about that. And then I, I also read some others who said, well, 
Maybe the reason Jesus is standing is because he's standing as a witness in this trial. I mean, Stephen, after all, is in the Sanhedrin courtroom, and he's being tried here. Maybe Jesus stands as a witness on his, on his behalf, and, and man, that's powerful too. Imagine that, the Son of God himself witnessing to exonerate his faithful follower. Man, can you imagine that? No wonder the story went viral. And again, I've heard in our day that a video can go viral. Lots and lots of people will watch it. If uh, it takes a strong stand on an issue, a very popular issue like, like Dame drops opinions of Five Guys Burger and Fries. All right, take a look at my this. Mind. Let's do this. People have watched that video. We don't need to watch it anymore. I thought we cut that part out, by the way. Sorry about that. Um, that kind of opinion, whether it's controversial or not, you know, draws so many people to watch. So many people. Maybe that's what the King of Kings is doing as he stands for Stephen. Maybe he's standing to witness on his behalf. Um, after all, Jesus knows exactly what Stephen is going through. Jesus was accused of similar things as he went through the Sanhedrin trial of his own. He was accused of speaking against God and Moses, of the temple and the law. Religious leaders were incensed that he would call God his own father, making himself equal with God. That's what John says in John 5. Uh, his own trial, false witnesses accused him of, of threatening to destroy the temple. That's what they're accusing here. Mark 14, they shouted blasphemy at the trial of Jesus. Stephen's trial is coming full circle back to Jesus. As John Polhill says it, it puts Jesus back on trial once again. Maybe Jesus stands as a witness because to reject Stephen's testimony is to reject Jesus as Messiah ultimately again. And that's what's happening. And maybe you're tempted to forget that as you witness for Jesus among the places that you work and the people that you play with and live with and do life with. If, if they reject Jesus, it feels personal. It hurts, but, but really our Savior stands as a witness in the heavenly throne room. See, they aren't rejecting you as much as they're rejecting the, the king of the world. And, and even though it hurts, listen, do it anyway. Speak anyway. Pray for those people anyway. Love them anyway. See, Jesus stands in Stephen's trial because, of course, a testimony in the Jewish world could only be confirmed by the witness of two or three people. And Stephen, he must have felt alone as 70 members of the Sanhedrin, as, long as, the, as well as the high priest, were leaning on him in judgment. He must have felt alone, but then he looks in the heavens and he sees the Son of God himself standing as his witness and God himself present, two powerful witnesses to his testimony. Stephen's testimony is backed by the creator of the world. So is yours. So tell your story with Jesus. Share your testimony about Jesus. Jesus stands. He testifies. Stephen's life has gone viral, and Jesus agrees with him. Maybe that's why he stood up. I've heard that as well. But maybe the reason that's most intriguing to me is, is why is Jesus standing? Maybe to honor him or maybe to, to witness for him. My, my favorite is probably this one, that Jesus is standing up as judge. Stephen is being judged by the Jewish high court, and maybe Jesus stands up to show them who the real judge is. Stephen's not the one on trial. The Sanhedrin is really on trial. The Son of Man is taking his place as the judge of the whole world. Man, that's, that's huge. Can you imagine? 
No wonder his story went viral. I, I've heard, again, videos that go viral in our time. If it pits one person against another, you know, in a play for power, someone has to stand on top, like this now very old viral video of brothers locked in combat. Maybe you've seen this one. In control. I think the laugh says it all. I think he's still in control 10 years later, by the way. I saw this uh, online. You know, that kind of authority, that kind of, you know, pitting one person against who's in real control. That, I mean, that kind of thing draws a huge audience, millions and millions of hits for that video through the years. And I thought maybe that's why the King of Kings stands up for Stephen to rise up as, as judge, to, to be in control. Because, you see, Stephen's vision here at this trial sounds a lot like Daniel's vision centuries and centuries before. You remember the prophet Daniel in Babylon, Daniel 7? He writes, he says, he has this vision. In my vision at night, he said, I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. That sounds a little bit like Stephen's vision as well, because Stephen refers to Jesus as the son of man. Did you hear that in Acts 7? Uh, He didn't call him Jesus. He said, look, I see the son of man. Stephen is the only person in the New Testament outside of Jesus who refers to Jesus as the son of man. Maybe these visions are linked. Uh, Daniel said, he approached, the Son of Man approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. Again, Stephen also saw the Son of Man standing in the presence of the Ancient of Days, of God. And he was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and people of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. His kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. The, The primary role of Daniel's Son of Man was as a universal judge because all nations and all peoples of every language worshipped him. And in the same way, Stephen's standing Messiah is not bound to one nation, one people, one building. He is the judge of everyone. And that includes you. And that includes me. Because the truth is that my opinions and your opinions and our preferences and our political leanings and your arguments on social media and what you think is right and what I think is right and what you think is wrong and what I think is wrong, those things aren't binding. Jesus is the judge. He's the judge of all. Take his lead. Learn his way. Follow his uh, view. Uh, adopt him as, as uh, your way of life. He's the judge. See, the, the truth is our, our nation's lawmakers are a gift, but their legislation doesn't make something right or good or holy. Just because something is legal doesn't make it holy. Our Supreme Court, thank God for them, but they don't dictate righteousness for us. They shape our country's actions, but it it doesn't have to shape yours. Jesus is the judge. Follow him fully. Jesus stands. He judges. Stephen's life has gone viral, and Jesus decrees that it is good. Yeah, I, I think I'd vote Stephen as the most likely to go viral if he had a yearbook, you know? I did notice as well in my kids' yearbooks, there's a list of senior quotes. The seniors would come up with a quote for their yearbook. Did you have that in your yearbooks? Do you remember coming up with a quote? I I didn't have that in mine, but uh, sometimes they're serious, sometimes they're silly, you know, like uh, Allison here quoted uh, Eleanor Roosevelt who said, do something every day that scares you. That's pretty good. Uh, Or Reese quoted a a rapper, uh, Lil Uzi Vert, 
who said, I'm just, um, I'm just doing me. And to me, that's what got me this far. Eh, I don't know about that one, you know. My own son, Rylan, my middle son, uh, man, he quoted Andy Dwyer from the TV show Parks and Rec, who said, I have no idea what I'm doing, but I know I'm doing it really, really well. Yeah, I can relate to that. I said, that probably sounds like the son of a most likely to succeed, doesn't it? I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm succeeding at it. I think our most likely to go viral, Stephen, has a couple of senior quotes in this story worth listening to. In fact, in the presence of his standing Savior, he whispers two small prayers. And I want you, I want these to go viral in your life. Look at verse 59, for instance. He says, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Would you say those words with me? Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. See, every night this week before you go to bed, would you, would you pray that little prayer? They're the same words of Jesus on the cross. Uh, they come from an old Jewish prayer from Psalm 31. And Jewish parents would teach their kids to pray this before they went to bed at night. Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Maybe you could pray that every night before you go to bed. You could set your phone to remind you. You can you remember that. Lord Jesus, the one in control, the judge of all the world. Lord, the one who stands at my side as a witness to his testimony. Lord Jesus, the one who's not ashamed to call me a brother or a sister. Receive my spirit. Let that go viral in your life. And secondly, every time this week that you have somebody's hostile towards you or somebody does you wrong, would you pray the prayer of Acts 7, 60? Let's say these words together as well. Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Forgive and pay the price for someone's sin. Sacrifice and give and let this prayer go viral in your life. Because listen, we're all going to be known for something in our life. It might be a yearbook photo. It might be a senior quote. It might be a most likely to honor. But let us be known as faithful followers of a Savior who stands by us. Let's pray. Father, uh, we pray we'd be most likely to lay down our lives for you, whether that's literally like Stephen or whether it's living for you in this moment, living sacrificially for you this week, living in love when revenge feels better and anger and hostility and rage. Help us to live for you and your kingdom, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.